so we'll, we'll see what the Lord does here. But Revelation chapter 21. And then we're going to turn back to Isaiah 65. You can get that in your head. And then we're going to turn to Hebrews 12. So we're going to read through some verses of Scripture. So we're going to do a little bit of reading. Brother Lynn, I, I, I like one of his, his jokes about reading the Bible. He says, if you can't go to sleep, just pick up the Bible, something like that. And it won't take you long. You know, he said something like that. I'm, I'm probably off a little bit of how he said it, but it was common. Because sleep seems to come when you pick up the Word of God. He gives you rest, right? Now that came from me. He gives you rest. So if you can't find rest, just pick up the Word of God and you'll find it. But that ain't the rest you should find. You should find rest to your soul. Unfortunately, most of the rest we find is to our islands. Revelation 21, verse 1. I actually said a joke that was funny. So, uh, first time. I'm kidding again. And I saw, Revelation 21, verse 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth are passed away. And the sea is no more. And I saw, notice this, and I saw, notice this, mark this in your heart, and I saw the holy city. So what's the new heaven and the new earth? He saw. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The first things are passed away. And he that sitteth on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said unto me, They are come to pass. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. Now, stop with me just a moment here, and we're going to read on down. Now, he'll give those that are a thirst of the fountain of water. The church, believers, will take these first five verses, a lot of believers, and they'll make them literal. But then they'll take the fountain of water and they'll say, that's spirit. Why do I choose which ones are literal and which ones are spiritual? Why do I choose? Notice what I said. Why do I choose? And not like God choose. Maybe in God's eyes, this whole book is true. Like, like I said, I think it's last week, the lion of the trial of Judah. A lady on Facebook made a post. She, she, she kind of said to her brother, 
So that's why. Because you have to understand it by the Spirit, by the Word of God. Because if I don't, what I do is I, I'll manipulate the Word of God, maybe not meaning to, but I'll manipulate it to fit my belief. And that's what I was talking to you in the beginning. Your belief. This is not just about your belief. This is about God's Word. It's moving from your belief to His Word. So verse 7. He said unto me, They are come to pass, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give him that it is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit these things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Is this not already the case that now you are the sons of God? Is it not already the case that the tabernacle of God is with men? You are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. Is that all not ready the case? Well, then maybe the rest of this is too. We just might not understand it. Okay? But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and fornicators and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part shall be in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And, and we're probably going to swallow this pill at some point too. Okay? Because we got some things, you know, the Lord needs to say to us and show us in His Word. And we need to hear it from the Lord. And there came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls who were, who were laden with the seven last plagues. And he spake with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Look at verse 10. And he carried me away in the Spirit. So what happened to Brother John? He carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was likened to a stone most precious, as it were a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And having a great... A, a, having a wall great and high, having twelve gates, and at the twelve gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east were three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he spake with me, and he that spake with me had a measure hath for a measure a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof, and the city lie four square. So you have four square city, and the length thereof is as great as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height thereof are equal. And he measured the wall thereof 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel, 
and building of the wall thereof was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto glass. Have you ever seen gold that was like glass in the natural? Just think about it. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with a manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcondy, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardis, sixth sardis, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysophrase, jacinth, and amethyst. And I probably butchered some of those names. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the several gates was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. How many streets? The street. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city have no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine upon it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the lamp thereof is the Lamb. We'll stop here for now. So when you read this, in our minds, we conjure up a lot of images. We have a lot of beliefs. We're going to walk on streets of gold. It is a profound belief in the Christian church. Now, I told you earlier on we're going to look at some of these reasons why. In a moment. Smart. Can I give you a moment in there? So we have to kind of set this up. Now let's go back to Isaiah 65. Now, now as we turn to Isaiah 65, as, as we look at, looked at Revelation chapter 21, what a lot of Christians don't take into consideration is John was a Jew. Natural. And John is communicating some of the same things you'll find throughout the book of Isaiah and the book of Ezekiel. Very, very much so. He's speaking to them and some of the, some of the things you're going to find in Isaiah... And Ezekiel, like we read, there's no more pain there. There's no more tears there. There's no more this. And we said, well, I still cry, so this can't be now. He's dealing with the nation of Israel. Which now you're part of. But, but you have to understand, he's dealing with the nation of people, the nation of Israel. And, and why can I say that? Because the Bible tells me so. The apostles were Jews. I don't, I don't know why the church misses this part because they keep talking about the Jews getting saved and, uh, and I want to say, wait a minute. The first Christians were Jews. It didn't start with the Gentiles. It started with Jews that believed. And for a period of time, it didn't even, the gospel didn't even reach out to the Gentiles. And for some reason, the church doesn't grab a hold of this. So when, when the Bible talks about his elect in the Old Testament, his elect very well, very simply could have been those Jews right there called the apostles and those saints right there that day that was living in the day before the old temple was destroyed. 
it goes right over the church and they want to build an elect somewhere out here in the country. And I think Paul goes to the elect and he's a pencil. Now we're part of the elect, but, but, but some of this was speaking to the Jews. Now, Christ, there is no Jew, and Paul brought, brought the understanding of that. But part of the reason we miss the Bible is we read Revelation and we don't read Isaiah, we don't read Ezekiel, we don't read the Old Testament, so we have no idea. We read this as a standalone book and a standalone idea, and we set up, well, this is what it means. Well, I can't know what it means unless the Spirit of God showed me, and I get in the Word of God, and He teaches me through the Word of God. I'll be in here. Isaiah 65. You really need to read all this, this verse, but I'll, I'll just be too long if I do this. So verse 11, But you that forsake Jehovah, Isaiah 65, verse 11, But you that forsake Jehovah, that forget my holy mountain, that prepare a table for fortune, and that fill up mingled wine unto destiny, I will destine you to the sword. And you shall all bound down to the slaughter, because when I called, you did not answer. When I spake, you did not hear. But ye did that which was evil in mine eyes, and chose that wherein I delighted not. Therefore thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Behold, my servants shall eat, but ye shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be put to shame. Man, if you really get a hold of this, this sounds like, Jerusalem again. In the in the in the days after Jesus had went back into the heavens, into the spiritual realm, his servants were eating and drinking of the Spirit of God, and the rest of Jerusalem was in turmoil. Now now notice this, therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold my well, I just read that. Behold my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but ye shall cry for sorrow of heart and shall wail for vexation of spirit. And ye shall leave your name for a curse unto my chosen, and the Lord Jehovah will slay thee. Who, who's going to slay him? The Lord Jehovah. And he will call his servants by another name, so that he who bless himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are forgotten, and because they are hid from my eyes. For behold, now he says all this, all this that's going on, all this calamity, and he says for, and he's talking about his servant, and he's talking about those that really were worshiping un, false gods. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter, and if you read through Israel, they were the ones worshiping the false gods. Not that the other nations weren't. But Israel specifically knew Jehovah as God, and yet they were setting up Dagon and, and Baal and so on and so forth and going into every high place. And he, says, and, he, and, he, and he tells them, because of this, calamity's coming upon you, but my servants, my chosen, they're going to rejoice. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and former things shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem rejoicing 
and her people enjoy it. Notice this. He's creating a new heaven and a new earth. And then, then he says, Behold, behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing. And now what did John say? John saw a new heaven and a new earth, and he saw what? Jerusalem. This ain't a mistake. Isaiah says, and he's speaking to Jerusalem, so he's creating Jerusalem rejoicing and her people a joy. The people of Jerusalem a joy. See, the rest of the people of the earth are not a joy, just the people of Jerusalem. Because because of Revelation, says outside of Jerusalem are dogs and whoremongers and so on and so forth. And everything that maketh a lie. And I will rejoice, where is he going to rejoice at? In Jerusalem, and joy in my people, and there shall be heard and heard no more the voice of weeping and the voice of crying. So here again is him talking about no more voice of weeping and voice of crying. And there's probably a deeper meaning to the weeping and crying than what I'm going to say today. Because most of the meaning we, we take out of weeping and crying, we take, we take out of it as our natural feelings, right? Our natural pain. But there's probably a greater meaning and greater understanding of this that they're weeping and crying. A lot of that's probably because they walked away from the true God. So, so a lot of that had to deal with, with that. Now it's the focus to Hebrews 12. So we, we set up Jerusalem rejoicing. We set up a new heaven and a new earth. And then we come to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Verse 22, I won't go back and read all the 18. He says, but, verse 22, but you are come, and I'm in the American Standard, but you are come unto Mount Zion. You are come unto Mount Zion. I'm going to stress this. You are come, you're not marching to Zion. You are come to Mount Zion unto the city of the living God. Well, if I've come to the city of the living God, the would it make sense that I've come to Jerusalem? Would that make sense? Well, it makes sense because the writer even says so. The heavenly Jerusalem. You reckon that's a different Jerusalem than what John saw in, in the book of Revelation? No, I don't. It's the same one John saw coming down out of God from heaven. It's a heavenly Jerusalem, a spiritual Jerusalem. And to an innumerable company of angels, hosts of angels, this version says, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not when they refused him that warned them on earth, much more shall not we escape who turn away from him that warns from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he had promised, saying, Yet once more will I make to tremble not the earth only, but also the heaven. Heaven and earth shaking. Sounds like an earthquake, doesn't it? Jesus said there's going to be earthquakes, didn't he? And his voice shaking it. 
And this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaking. So what does the shaking do? It signifies a removing as of things that have been made that those things which are not shaken may remain. So He's going to shake up in you, if you can hear it, your heaven and earth. That's what he started doing to me, Fayette Notes, four years ago when he spoke to me and said, it's all in my word. Immediately what came before me was my view of heaven and hell. Immediately it went. And I went, uh-oh. Because he began to shake it. Still shaking it. He's still shaking up things that's in me that's not His. See, that's what He's going to do if you allow Him. He's going to get rid of those things that aren't His. Because what's going to remain belongs to Him. But the key is to allow Him. And this word yet once more, I read that. Wherefore receiving, notice verse 20, Wherefore what did you receive? A kingdom that cannot be shaken. So you receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace whereby we may offer service well-pleasing to God with reverence and all, for our God is what? A consuming fire. Now again, is He a literal fire? No. He can appear that way if He wants to because He's God. But He's a consuming fire. And every time I read that, it comes to, I should say every time, most times I read that, it comes to me of the sacrifice being consumed. He's consuming up the old man. So here, so here we come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Now how did I get there? I've said this many times. I didn't take an airplane and fly across the world. Didn't get on a boat and go there. So, I don't have John 4 down, but just to quote it, when Jesus comes to the woman at the well, the Samaritan, she said, you worship in Jerusalem, and we worship where? Here in Samaria, in this mountain. And if you track it, track it down, there's more emphasis to that than, than what we might think because of the division of Israel and Jerusalem. Judah, Israel, the nation of Israel worshipped in that mountain and Jerusalem worshipped in Jerusalem. If you go back and read, there's a little more to that story than just the woman at the well if you go back again into the Scripture. But staying with the thought, Jesus said, yeah, true worship is from Jerusalem, but now is the time where the true worshipers shall what? Worship the Father how? in spirit and in truth. For God is a spirit and seeks them to worship Him in spirit and in truth. I can't change that even if I want to. See, I can't do it. God is spirit and seeks those to worship in spirit and in truth. So how am I going to worship in spirit and truth? Only if I allow the Lord to show me the truth. 
by the Spirit. That's the only way I'm going to come to worship in spirit and truth. But how do I enter, going back in, how do I enter into the heavenly Jerusalem? Turn to Matthew 18, verse 1. And I'm going to read the same thing out of Mark or Luke, but I'm going to read it first out of Matthew 18. It says, In that hour came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called to him a little child and set him in the midst of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, except ye turn. I like this translation. This is the English standard. Except ye turn and become as little children. One verse translation says, Can be converted. But you turn. You turn your heart to him. And become as little children. You shall no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to enter it as a little child. You have to be, what he's saying is you have to be born again. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receive of me. But whosoever shall cause one of these little ones that believe on me, notice what he says, that believe on me to stumble. It is profitable for him that a great millstone should be hanged about his neck and that he should be sunk in the depth of the sea. Now, turn to Mark. Here it says, Kingdom of Heaven. Notice what Mark says. Mark 10. Just read the whole chapter and you'll find me. Mark, Mark 10, or the whole book. Mark 10, 13. At two laughs in one day, I'm, I'm on top of it. And I need to quit. <laughs> and they were bringing unto him little children. Mark 10, 13. And they were bringing unto him little children that he should touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was moved with indignation and said unto him, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not. To such belongeth the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean all little children, that just the little children belongs to the kingdom of God? I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But it has a greater meaning too. Unless you become a little child, you shall nowise enter the kingdom of God. Well, I say to you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall no wise enter therein. Notice one place, kingdom of heaven, another place, kingdom of God. So I believe the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are the same thing. Right? Some people say they're not, but I believe they probably are. So in the book of John 3, and I, I'm not going to turn there because I can almost quote John 3. Nicodemus came to Jesus that night, speaking of a couple of different things. One, naturally, he didn't want to be exposed that he was coming to Jesus. Because he was a teacher of the Jews. You have to really get a hold of this. Nicodemus was a teacher. I believe a Pharisee. He comes to Jesus that night, and he, and he knows that no man can do the miracles and wonders that he's doing unless he be of God. Jesus, what did Jesus say to him? Unless you be born again, 
cannot see the kingdom of God. So, so unless Jesus is wrong, because people think the kingdom of God is just going to appear. So unless Jesus is wrong, maybe we're wrong. Unless you be born again, and Jesus isn't wrong. So we're wrong. Just clarify that statement. Unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you're born, you're born not as a mature one. You're born as a child, as a baby. In the natural, you become a baby, you become a child. When you're born again, you're a child of God. You've been born in spirit. And then he says, unless you be born of water and spirit, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. So, so unless I'm born of spirit, I can't see it or enter. So I can be 90 years old and I can't get to the kingdom of God because I'm 90 years old. I have to be born again unless you become as one of these little child. Humble yourself. What he means is coming unto him. These little children were coming unto him. That's what he's talking about. Unless you come unto me, you can't enter the kingdom of God. I'm the door. Did not say that in other places. I'm the gate. I'm the way. I'm how you get in. So how do you come to God's kingdom? And did we not read that in Hebrews 12? That sign is speaking of the kingdom of God. You receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. See, see, God's people haven't even come this far. Many of God's people. That there's no way in here but by new birth. You can't get in here. Jesus didn't give another way. He said, unless you be born again, you shall not. And people are trying to paint a picture all over Facebook today, all over Christianity, that there's some other way. Well, I would trust Jesus a little bit more than brother so-and-so. I really would. Because brother so-and-so maybe is just a little bit wrong. Jesus ain't wrong. Because he's the very oracles, very mouth of God, the very Word of God speaking. So I have to be born in spirit to see. I can't even see what the kingdom of God is. And see, this is the problem. Most of God's people, or many of God's people, they've never even seen what the kingdom of God is. They're, they're totally outside of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in their mind. Why? Because they're children. They're children. I'm, I'm going to share this by the word. I have to get there. Because as a child, I don't know. I don't understand as I should know. The problem in the church is people set children for 30 years. Still marching to Zion. Singing a song, I'm marching to Zion. Because they want to read the Bible. Because if they read the Bible, they wouldn't be marching to Zion. They, they just might agree with the Bible. I've come to Mount Zion. I've been there, folks. I, I, I think it, it was at Brother Charles' one time. It may have been somewhere else, but I think it was at Brother Charles. They were singing marching design and getting up, I believe, marching around the building. I believe. 
I may be wrong. It may have been somewhere else. But I believe it was there. I was in, in a meeting. They were marching to Zion. And, 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 and you know, and I probably, I, I don't know if I got up behind them. I probably did. I probably marched right along with them. Because in understanding, I was a child. I was a child in understanding. I didn't understand. And that's okay to be a child. It's not okay to stay a child. So, so, we, so we hit this that we were born again to enter into the, into the kingdom of God. So, so you can't do it any other way. You have to come to Him. And that's what He was saying when He said, Suffer little children not to come unto Me. Because the Pharisees were telling them not to come to Him. And you have to get a hold of the whole thing that's going on there. The Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees were saying this ain't the one. So, so, so he's telling those scribes and Pharisees, if, you, if we can hear it, it'd be better for you than a millstone will be cast around your neck and be thrown into the sea. And you can tell these not to come to me. Because I'm the one that they've been waiting on. I'm the one the prophet spoke of. And unless you humble yourself. See, this, this is, and it's so, so powerful to me this morning. In the very heart of Christianity, I have to humble myself to the Lord. I have to lay down my life. I have to choose Him. See, see, what do you have to do? You have to choose Him. You have to humble yourself. You have to realize, I can't make it, Lord. I need a Savior. I have to have You. That's the very basis of coming to the Lord. It's the very basis of the dealing with the Lord. I can go back in years and, and be out in sin. When I wouldn't humble my heart and submit my heart to the Lord because I love the world more than God. Or because I was too proud. Or because I thought it was another way. Or I was too educated. Whatever the case may be, the whole issue is I, 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 I. That's the issue. I, me. I have to humble myself. So I have to choose Him. I have to say, yeah, Jesus, you're it. And I need you. So I come to Him. And I'm born again to see the kingdom of God. This is where, where, where children need to be taught the sincere milk of the Word, where Peter said, we're going to go there in a moment. They don't need to be taught everything else. They need to be taught the sincere milk of the Word. See, what, what's happened is we've been taught out of the imaginations of our own heart. Not that we haven't been born again, but as soon as we get born again, we, we imagine what these verses mean. Or we come up with, I, well, I believe there's this. Instead of dividing the Word of God, rightly dividing the Word of God. Let me find the Scripture I'm looking for because i got a bunch of Scriptures down and for time's sake I can't read them all. But Paul says to them, First Corinthians 3.1 and then we're going to turn to Galatians. First Corinthians 3.1 And this, and this, folks, is powerful. It, it, looks, it looks simple enough, but this is powerful. 
Paul says to the Corinthians here, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual. So he addresses them as brethren. He didn't say, you bunch of sinners. He says, I, brethren, so you're one of the brethren, you're born again, you're of the fellowship of Christ, you're a member of the body of Christ, but as unto carnal. But what does carnal represent? Natural mindedness, if you study your Bible. As unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with meat, for you were not yet able to bear it. Nay, not even now are you able. So he's dealing with the people that he's, he's dealt with, and he's saying, you're still not able to bear it. You're still not able to receive meat. For you're yet carnal. For whereas there is among you jealousy and strife, are you not carnal? And do ye not walk after the manner of men? You're still walking after the manner of men. You're, you're, in other words, you're full of jealousy and strife. This is the majority of the Christian church right here. In America at least. Read the next part. For one says, I'm a Paul. The next one says, I'm of Apollos. Are you not men? What, what is Apollos and what is Paul? Ministers for whom you believed and each as the Lord gave to him. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that water. Remember what I started when, when, when we were in the beginning of this message and, and not picking on Brother Stanley, I said to you that it's not Brother Stanley's flock and this is a picking on this is any minister. Paul, Paul wrote, said, Who am I? Who's Apollos? We're, we're working together in the Lord's vineyard. This is the Lord's. See, see this, this, this is all over the Christian church. I believe that this is the way. I believe in that way. I'll go to my church. And I want to say, you don't even have church. You might have a building that you go to, but the church is his body, the fullness of him, the fullness of all in all. And you can choose to go to whatever building, whatever gathering you want to, but do not call it a church. Get real with the Word of God, because this is where Christians walk, in the carnality. And it's okay if you've just been born again. If you've just come to the Lord, it's okay. But there's a reason why Christians have stayed here because they haven't even been fed the sincere milk. And the sincere milk doesn't mean cutting short the truth. See, see when Peter talked about the sincere milk of the Word, what did he bring them into? God laying a stone in Zion and them being a spiritual house. Well, you think that's a deep word that we're the house of God. Peter calls, I believe Peter's talking about that, is sincere milk. Well, most believers don't, most believers are still looking for God to build a temple in the Middle East. At least in America. So the sincere milk of the Word has 
the unction of the Lord in me right now to say this to you. It's not okay. It's not okay to believe in my way and you believe in yours. It's not okay. It's not satisfying God's heart. If we're after the satisfying of God's heart, the problem is we're after the satisfying of our heart and not God's heart. And that's that's the critical issue. It's critical. It's critical for your growth in the Lord. It's not just to be beat up. It's critical that you grow in the Lord. To get in the Word of God and see it by the Spirit. So Paul was disturbed with these folks. He wasn't wasn't just lovey-dovey with them here. He was disturbed. You're still carnal. You're walking as men. In other words, you should know you're not a Paul or Paulus. You should know you're not a, a Brother Wayne or Brother Henry or Brother Charles or Brother J.W. or Brother Whoever. You should know you're a cross. You should know you're a spouse to one. You should know it should not be in you anymore. It should have been moved out of you. I said uh, Galatians, we'll do that in a moment, but, but let's flip over to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. I mentioned it, so let's flip there. Peter says, Put away therefore all wickedness and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. As what? Newborn babes. What does John call the church in 1 John 2? Little children. Little children. Unless you enter as a little child. And John calls them little children. Peter calls them newborn babes. And Paul calls them little children. So he says, Long for the spiritual milk, which is without guile, that you may grow thereby unto salvation. Now I'm in the American Standard. How does the King James read? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord... Who does Peter put them in touch with? Immediately. The Lord. So His ministry is Christ. He brings right into immediate view the Lord. To whom coming as unto a living stone. See, see, this, this is foundational proof. To whom coming as unto a living stone, because he's dealing with newborn, newborn babes. You come as unto a living stone, disallowed of men, 
but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus, by Jesus Christ. And where does Peter take them? To the Scripture. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto him that is disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is become the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them that stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who have called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. See, here, here's, here's something else. God's people, believers, born-again believers, walk around all the time, Again, i got to watch my verbiage. Not all the time, much of the time. I'm trying to change. I hear myself sometimes on the CDs and I go, ah, wish I hadn't said it that way. Much of the time, the Jews are God's chosen people. You that have come to Him are the chosen people. So if I tell you the Jews are God's chosen people, you need to say they once were. But Paul wrote, he's not a Jew, which is natural in the flesh. Neither is that circumcision natural in the flesh, but you're circumcised with the circumcision of Christ. See, we need to open our mouths. Like Rosanita did. That's what we need to do. You may not give them the whole measure you have, and maybe you do, but do it by the Lord. But see, we keep our mouths closed a lot of times because we don't want to offend. So a lot of times it's that we don't want to offend them, we don't want them to think bad about us. You know, a lot of times it centers back around who? Me. Because if they know I believe this, they're not going to want nothing to do with me. So the issue ain't really them. It's me. Sometimes it might be them, but most of the time it's, it's good old me that, that, well, I don't, you know, I don't want them to think like that about me. I do. I want to think I'm chosen generation and royal priesthood of the Lord. Because that's what He said I am. So I'd rather be His royal priesthood than just waller in religion. Because I've said this many times. People don't get offended if you, if you, you, you go up to them and say, did you go to church today? Do they? No, because you're still in a easy place, right? You're not you're not wrinkled any feathers. 
because they went to church too. And then you can leave and smile, shake hands, and they can turn around and say, you know what they believe over there? And then you can turn around and say, you turn around and say the same thing back to them. You know what they would? And you just share nothing. You wind up in a, and I'm not point fingers, I've done it myself. So I'm not trying to say, well, everybody's bad, but the way you got it all together, but that ain't the case. I've done it myself. Because it's an easy way out. It's an easy way out of a conversation, right? Just ease their way right out of that conversation. That doesn't help them. Because you grow in the Lord by the sincere milk of the Word. So if I don't give somebody the sincere milk of the Word, and I come back to them ten years later, and they're still talking and spewing out all this stuff, maybe it's in me to give them the Word. Because the pastor they're sitting under may never give them the sincere milk of the Word. So maybe God has brought them into my house for me to give them the sincere note of the work. But I'm, I'm waiting on Pastor Jojo. Pastor Jojo, no offense, doesn't know the sincere note anyway, so he ain't going to give it to him. I'm trying to be mean, but I'm just trying to be truthful. So maybe the reason they come in contact with me is to give them the word. Hear me, I'm telling you this by the Spirit. You have people in your lives that come to you for you to give the word about the truth. Like I say, you may not get into everything you know. And then as the Lord leads, you might. You might go deep with them. You might not. But you come in contact with people because you are a minister. Peter called the believers a holy priesthood. So you're the priesthood. What does the priesthood do? It breaks the bread, lights the candle in the old, but let's, let's just deal with the Melchizedek priesthood, feeding them bread and wine. What's the bread and wine we feed them? We feed them the Word of God, the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit, the wine speaking of the Spirit. So we feed them the bread and the, and the wine we minister to them word out of spirit. Bread and wine. So as a priesthood, a priesthood didn't just go, I'm the priesthood of Aaron in the Old Testament. Hey, I'm the priesthood. No, they had an office and a function. So you have a function in the Lord to feed them bread and wine. To feed them out of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's your, your functioning. And how many of God's people feel like they're not fulfilled? I'm not doing everything for Jesus I should. Has anybody ever felt like that? Go function. Feed some people bread and wine. And you'll start feeling fulfilled. Trust me. Now flip over to Galatians. Galatians chapter 
What chapter do I want? Chapter 4. Start about verse 18 or 19, 4. How much time, Matthew? Okay, I knew I was close, so we're going we're gonna to end before that CD ends. But Galatians 4, so this is the last place. I know I've kept you a long time. Galatians 4. Paul says, 19, my little children. Notice what he calls them again? My little children. So here, here you come to him as a child. Of whom I travail in birth again. What's his travail? That Christ be formed in you. Not that you become religious. Not that you have the right religious teaching. But that Christ be formed where at? In you. In you. In your mind. In your heart. In your soul. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. Well, that's a strong word. Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? How many Christians you know desire to be under Moses' law? A lot of them. For it is written, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the one by a free woman. You know, and naturally he had a whole lot more than two, but two to deal with. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendered to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to, to Jerusalem, which now is. Paul's dealing with the Jerusalem that now was there, right now, right now, the Jerusalem in the flesh, and is in bondage with their children. Why? Because they were up under the law. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Which is what? The mother of us all. So we're birthed in this new covenant, in this new Jerusalem. We're birthed in it. For behold, it first written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate have many more children than which she has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him of the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We're... Born of the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. Jerusalem which is above is free. You come to Mount Zion, to the city of living God. How did I get there? I was born again. I was born of spirit to see the kingdom of God. I was born of water and spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. And now that I've entered in there, let everything else be shaken out of me. Let it go. 
Brother Wayne, I want to hold on to this. I know, we, I know we do. I know there's things in our hearts we want to hold on to. But let them go. They won't profit you in God's kingdom. We come to Him. See, everything about Him is glorious, isn't it? When we're singing in the heights of Zion, when we're praising in the heights of Zion, when the Spirit's flowing, what is that? It's glorious. So holding on to tradition, it's not moving us on in Christ. It'll stifle us. Hold up with that. I ministered there last time in Colossians of, of, of the rudiments of the, of the vanity of the mind, of the rudiments of the world. You know, that, that, and he told them to beware of them. For the fullness of God is in Christ. Colossians 2. Beware. Man, he, he gives, Brother Paul gives some strong words. Sometimes we don't see how strong it is. I stand in doubt of you. Because Christ couldn't be formed in you by the law. Christ can only be formed in you by the Spirit. The letter of the Word won't bring it. It's the Spirit of the Word. Now, we're going to preach the same, we're going to preach out the same Word. It's just understanding by the Spirit. It's not coming outside of the Word. It's in the Word, but it's understanding it by the Spirit of God. See, Anyway, folks, I know I, I've been a long time this morning. And it's the mind of the Lord, though, that we awake. We awake from the earth. And we come and allow our hearts and our minds to move us into the spiritual realm. That's the mind of the Lord. I, I'm, I'm so impressed with that that come up higher and I'll show you the things that will be hereafter. You know, Brother John in Revelation, come up hither and I'll show you what's hereafter. And immediately he was in the Spirit. God is Spirit. So if you're, if you're witnessing the Spirit of God right now, guess who you're witnessing? The Lord. The Lord. You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to Jesus. You've come to Jesus. That's what he says in Hebrews 12. You've come to Jesus. Why can't we agree with the words that he's born up come to you? I've come to you, Lord, and you're here in my presence. Or I'm here in your presence. Now you're saved. I was looking there in Revelation. I actually read something from somebody and I thought it was
listen to the worshiping of the Lord, you'll find it. As you praise me, you'll find it. So that just ministers me, brother. As as we open the heart of worship, there will be the Lord. Inside. And the beauty is, you appear with me. When he shall appear. Say this to Brother Franks, and I'm ending again. But I said it to Brother Franks last week. The goodness of the Lord that you come into in song or dance or walking in your garden or however you deal with the presence of the Lord, when that goodness of the Lord appears in you, may that be you appearing with Him in glory. But see again the mind. Remember the kingdom of God comes not with observation either. Well, let's say, Lo, here, well, there, for the holy kingdom of God is work within you. But the mind says, See, Jesus said, You must born, born again to enter the kingdom of God. So when the, when the Lord brings His presence in you, and you uh, see His presence, could that simply be you appear with Him in glory? Could that simply be a measure of the truth of you appearing with Him in glory when this glorious presence of the Lord is really you and everything escapes you, Sister Sheila, all the things you're worried about. What happens when you get lost in the presence of the Lord? Everything you're worried about, what, what is gone and, it, and it's glorious. Because you're now appearing with Him in glory. You're now appearing in the presence of the King. Yet we don't know it. We don't hear it. We don't understand it. We're appearing in the presence of the King. Hebrews tells us we're in the presence of the King. He tells us we're in His presence. But what is it something when we appear in His presence when, when our being appears in Him and all the issues of my life are just moved away? All the issues I have, babe, are moved away in the presence of the King. Only there are they moved away. Only there are my tears dried up. All the tears that I may have, they're just dried up in the presence of the King. My Lord. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. Glorifying, folks. Glorify, glorify Him. All ye his saints, glorify the Lord. Move into a realm of his glory, said the Lord. Move into the realm of my glory. Yea, for my glory is not far from you, said the Lord. My glory is not far off. God said in my word, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Move into the realm. Of my glory, saith the Lord. Come up hither, saith thy God, to the place that I show thee, saith the Lord. For I will show thee, saith the Lord. Turn your eyes upon me, saith thy God, and you'll see. Yea, I say, turn. Turn to me, saith the Lord. Turn. Saith thy God, 
turn upon me and look at my splendor, saith the Lord. Hear my words, saith thy God. Hear my words. Give yourself to my word. You question how to know me, saith the Lord. Darling, this is for you. You question how to know me. You've fallen over in your mindset, Lord. And I speak to you clearly. Set yourself aside to me, And hear my words. For out of my words shall come waters. May some gush upon your soul, Lord. When you turn and hear my words, yea, out of your being shall flow life. Living water, yea, even so real, that they'll be tangible with it. That you'll know it, and you won't doubt because you're counting each other. For yea, in your mind, you walk in doubt and despair. But I know your mindset, Lord. And I can turn your mindset. God. Give yourself completely to me, Seth Lord. Because as you give yourself completely to me, Seth Lord, my spirit, my life, will make myself real to you, And you'll know me, You'll understand what others say by my spirit. If I said in my word, I am the Spirit said And I say, come to my word and hear my word and I'll make it real with you. But turn there. Not to doubt to my word said for. We struggle with it a long time.
John saw my word, says the Lord of my spirit. I took him to a very high place where I had taken this Lord. And when you turn yourself fully upon me by my spirit, says the Lord, the answer to the king will appear. The answer that you long for in your heart is My desire that you I give you my heart, says the Lord. I give you my heart. I make you one of mine, You belong to me. I heard the Lord. I believe it was this morning. It was in the baby yesterday. I was reading this book of Acts. You know, even question the Lord, sometimes that movement is a word of prophecy or gift of knowledge, whatever you may call it. And sometimes I question it myself. You don't know that. Some of you don't, but I do. I question myself. And Brother Stanley knows that because he's moved in the Word for years and he knows sometimes you walk away and I'm sure he's done the same thing. I heard the Lord say to me, this is necessary in my body, son. I believe what he was saying to me, don't cut it off. It edifies my body. And I was in the Word. The reason I, I bring this up, I said the Word and look back to 